Today, I am concluding a series of messages that I've been preaching since the very first Sunday of this year. Started the year off talking about the kingdom of God because it holds such a vital place in the New Testament. 280 times in 260 chapters, some form of the word kingdom is used in talking about the kingdom of God. It was the message that Jesus preached when he was here on this earth. He preached about the kingdom of God. Many, if not most, of his parables are what we call kingdom parables. And he taught his disciples about it. And then after his death, burial, and resurrection, he spent 40 more days just confirming his teachings about the kingdom of God before he ascended back to heaven. And we talked about um, the location of the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. We've talked about the heart of the Father. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We've defined the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then last Sunday, I talked to you about uh, uh, one of the major blockades to your living as a king's kid or your kingdom mentality or your dominion activity in the kingdom of God. You see, it's the Father's good pleasure to bless us with dominion. In now in this life, not just in the life to come, but now in this life. We're not supposed to go around defeated. We're supposed to be victorious. Amen? If we're going to encourage people, if we're going to make people hungry and thirsty and we're supposed to be salt and light, if we're going to do that, we've got to have victory. Nobody wants to follow defeat and down and depressed and, and um, woe is me and singing the blues and I'm just trying to hang on to like make if I could just make it through. No, 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 no. The church is supposed to be triumphant. Amen. We're supposed to be victorious. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. Uh, uh, just a just a glorious church <laughs> that uh, and and we're part of that church amen so let me give you my text right quick and i'm going to finish up this morning by giving you um, uh, another blockade you see when you begin when you, when this message begin to reson, begins to resonate in your spirit and you begin to walk it out and you begin to live it and you can and many of you are doing that right now. Praise God. But you're going to run into a challenge from the enemy. The enemy is not going to let you go forward without giving you a challenge. And so what I'm trying to do is just make you aware of some of the tactics. He doesn't have anything new. He's not a creator. He uses the same old, same old. And I talked to you last week about the, the number one thing he uses, and that's fear. If he can keep you in fear, make you afraid, he can intimidate you with that. Keep you pressed down, pushed down, so that you're not walking in the victory that the Lord intended for you to. Today, I want to talk to you about identity. If he can keep you in a place where you don't understand who you are. So let me give you the text first of all. This is the lesson number seven or message number seven in this series. And we'll wrap it up today. Matthew six thirty three. We should all know it by part by now. Let's say it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. 
Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, remember what Jesus said about this? The kingdom of, of God is so important. He said it ought to be the first thing that we seek after. Listen, folks, uh, uh, get, get, get a hold of this in case you hadn't been here uh, since the beginning of the, uh, on this series. You know, if we're not careful, we will live in fear and anxiety over the daily necessities of life. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get in a, in a mode where our praying is, oh, God, please, you know, give me enough money for food today. Give me enough money for clothes today. Give me enough money to make my house payment so that I got shelter today. But here's, listen to this. Get, get this at the beginning. Um, punch your neighbor and say, Let, let's stay awake here this morning. We, <laughs> I, 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 want you to, I want you to get to, I want you to get this right here. Listen, which... Which had you'd rather do? Would you rather have to beg God, oh God, please, 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 please give me what I need? Had you rather do that? Or, listen, this is a promise from Jesus. That these letters are in red in your Bible, if you've got a red letter edition. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, if you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... Here's the deal he makes with you. If you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll take care of all the rest of this. Man, let me tell you, folks, that's too good a deal for me to pass up. Now, if you'd rather do it the other way, you go ahead. I'm not going to condemn you for it. I'm just going to tell you, for me, this, this is too good a deal for me to pass up. What this is saying to me is if I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I can just take a deep breath and quit worrying about the future period. Because if you read the chapter, he's talking about the necessities of life, food, clothing, and shelter. I can just take a deep breath and say, Lord, I'm just going to seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and you're going to take care of the rest of it. And he promised that he would. And he's not a God that can lie. Amen. He is truth. He doesn't just tell truth. He is truth. He cannot lie. And so that, that's a deal. And listen, we, we need to get kingdom minded. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach him to pray, he taught us to do just exactly that. He said, when you start praying, as soon as you give praise to God, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing you ask for the first thing before you pray about food, clothing, and shelter, you pray about the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and write on through the Lord's prayer. But the first thing he taught us to pray was to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he'll take care of the rest of this. He'll take care. You, you, can quit, you can even quit praying about the rest of it. You can start saying, Lord, I thank you that my needs are met. That's what I do about needs now. I used to pray about my needs a lot. I don't pray about my needs much anymore. Here's what I do when I'm praying. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when I get to my needs in the prayer, I just say, I thank you, Lord, that my needs are met. My needs are met. My needs are met according to my, God's riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what Philippians 4.19 says. And, and I just thank the Lord for it. My needs are met. Praise God. I don't know about you, but my needs are met. 
I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to get in fear about it. I'm not going to be frustrated about it. I'm not going to get anxious about it. You, you say, don't you ever have some close calls? Oh, sure, I've had some close calls. I've wondered from time to time where there'd be enough money for this or where there'd be enough money for that. But let me tell you something. I've been serving the Lord since I was 11 years old, and he has never failed me yet, not one time. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So I got a good track record here. I trust him. Praise God. He can take care of things that I can't take care of. And so, and let me, by the way, <laughs> you and I waste our time asking God to do what we can do. And we also waste our time trying to do what only he can do. So those things that only he can, by the way, he, he's the only one to take care of me anyway. Praise God. I'm not even smart enough to take care of myself, but he can take care of me. So I'm just going to trust him for it and thank him for it. Glory to God. Well, let me get to my message. I'm getting sidetracked here. I'm, I'm so excited about living like a king's kid. I love the Lord and he loves me and I praise him for it. And he loves you too. Amen. He loves you big time. And I'll show you in just a few minutes just how much he loves me, uh, loves you. Um, I, I want to talk about this identity crisis thing. I want to answer a question, if I can, by the help of the Lord. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will, will give me the utterance today and the, the anointing to answer this question. Who are we? Who are we? Who are we? That's dealing with our identity. First thing I want you to know this morning we are the redeemed. We're the redeemed of the Lord. So somebody said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Anybody redeemed in here this morning? If you are, say so. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, so let's, let's get right to it. We are the redeemed. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Now, we have, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. For you have been born again, not with perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Three things are in this, this passage of Scripture from 1823 that I just read to you. First of all, he builds a case for the redemption. He says, you, you're, you're redeemed. In fact, your redemption was so important to your heavenly Father that he planned it before the creation of the world. God's been thinking about you a long time, folks. God has been thinking about you for a long time. Before he even created planet earth, he was thinking about you. Before he even created man, and he knew when he gave man the power to choose that man would mess up. So he provided a way where we could get back because he wanted you in his family that much. And, and so he presents a case for it. Then he talks about the cost of it. He said, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. 
No, no, no. You're more precious to God than anything he created in this universe. He loves you more than anything else in the universe. You're more precious than gold. You're more precious than silver. You're more precious than diamonds or pearls. Or You can't name anything in the material family that you're not more important than to God. In fact, when he purchased you, it cost him more than that. He paid with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is the most costly, most expensive, and most precious thing in all of this world. And we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Now, the word to redeem means to buy back or to buy out. In other words, all rights, when you, when you redeem someone, when you buy them, all the right, everything, every, you, you, you've got it, you've taken everything, everything that the enemy no longer, the former, the former owner has no rights whatsoever. And Jesus purchased us out of the bondage of sin. Praise God. Sin has no right to you. Bondage has no place in you. Glory to God. He bought us out of all of that. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Praise God. You're out of that kingdom. You, you don't belong to the kingdom of darkness anymore. You belong to the kingdom of light. You don't belong to Satan anymore. You belong to Jesus. Praise God. You're part of the family of God. You have been redeemed. You were not only redeemed from sin, but you were also redeemed from the curse. Curse of the law, curse of any kind. Any words that's been spoken over you that were damaging in your life, you've been set free from that. Don't hang around in bondage to that stuff. In fact, look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Praise God. Not only have we been purchased, redeemed, bought out, set free from sin, but also from any curse of the past. And in place of that, in place of being cursed, we are now blessed. Do you know how blessed you are? You can go way back all the way to the book of Genesis and read the promises and the blessings that God gave to Abraham and claim those as yours through Jesus Christ. The blessings of Abraham belong to us. And let, let, let me tell you how you're, you should be blessed when you get up in the morning. You should be blessed when you go to work in the morning. You should be blessed all day long. You should be blessed at breakfast. You should be blessed at lunch. You should be blessed at dinner. You should be blessed when you come home tomorrow night. You should be blessed when you lay down at night. Praise God. Any of you wrestling with insomnia, you need to rebuke that off of yourself. And as a child of the king, you need to say, I am blessed. And, and with the blessings of Abraham, my sleep is sweet. Praise God. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I, I'm blessed rising up and I'm blessed laying down. 
Don't let the devil intimidate you with this stuff. Praise God. Just quote some scripture and pray in tongues a few minutes. You'll be asleep. <laughs> devil will get out of your room, leave you alone. Amen. My wife says, I go to sleep on the way to the pillow. <laughs> Amen. I, I, I believe in that rest in the Lord. Rest in him. Rest in him. Praise the Lord. So, so we've been, we, let, 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 let's, let's get this straight. I, and if you've got, if everybody will get this, I'll go on to the next point. I want raise your hand when you get it. We are free from sin. We're free from bondage. We're no longer cursed, but we're blessed. Amen. If you got that, raise your hand. Yeah. You, you got it? You got it? I, say, I am blessed. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> Give him praise for that because you're blessed. Let me throw a little sidebar in here, and I'll come back to, to, to my main message here. But way over in the book of Revelations in chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, here's what it says. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals for you who were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. Woo, glory. <laughs> you talking about some shouting ground right here, son. Do you, know, do, do you see what John the Revelator saw? He saw us all gathered together with the redeemed from all of the ages in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he heard us all singing, glory to God. Brother Steve going to step up and start singing and leading the choir. Amen. And, and, and we're going to sing together. Lord, you have redeemed us out of every nation, kindred, and tongue on the earth. And because you have redeemed us, <laughs> glory to God, we're going to reign on the earth with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're discouraged about the future, you've been watching too much news. Amen. Turn that stuff off and get in the news right here. This is only true news anyway. And the next time somebody tries to discourage you about what's going on in this earth, you just tell them. The best living that's been done on planet earth since the garden of Eden is ahead of us, not behind us. <laughs> Glory to God. Cause we coming back with Jesus and we're going to reign on this earth with Jesus for a thousand years. Praise the Lord. And he's preparing for it now. And he wants us to learn to start reigning or having dominion, exercising dominion now in this life. Well, let, let, let me get back to, let me get back to the, to the main message. We say this, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Okay. I want you to know that about your identity. I am redeemed. Second thing I want you to know is I am righteous. We are righteous. We are righteous. Now that may be a little hard for you to say. I heard about a preacher that was trying to help a lady get her prayers through and he, he was trying to tell her the, 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 the right standing that she has with God and before the throne. And he told her, he said, say, I am righteous. She said, oh, no, preacher, I would never say that. 
I would never say I'm righteous. I'm, I'm not righteous. Jesus is righteous, but I'm not righteous. I would never say that. And, and he said, uh, why? She said, because I'm not righteous. He said, are you born again? She said, yes, I am. I've been born again. And he said, well, we better get something straightened out here right quick because either you're lying or the word's lying. And I don't think the Bible's lying. I just don't think you understand what you're talking about. And he gave her this scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him, that's capitalized, it's talking about Jesus. He, God the Father, made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, glory to God. Jesus, folks, this is hard, hard for me to, to even grasp, but I rejoice in it because I believe it and accept it. Jesus took all my sins. Jesus took all my shortcomings. Jesus took all my failures. Jesus took all my mess-ups. Jesus took all my shortcomings. Jesus took every time I had ever messed up. He took it all on himself and carried it with him to the cross and nailed it to the cross so that he could put his righteousness on me in place of my sinful past. Praise God. And so he made us to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm righteous. Righteousness is a gift. I've been reading this scripture to you for about three Sundays now. Romans 5, 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, that's not talking about the millennium. We were shouting over the millennium a while ago. But Paul's saying that we're going to reign in this life. Praise God. Why? Because God has given us the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Now, most people think that righteousness is some kind of state that they attain by, by, by right living. But, but that wouldn't be righteousness as a gift. In fact, if, if we... If we don't get this straightened out in our minds, we're going to be pulled back under works instead of under grace. It's not what we do. I, I was telling the early service this morning, Brother Christopher Allen, some of you may remember him. Uh, Christopher used to come be with us about once a year. He, he's so involved now in his crusades in, in Africa till it's amazing. He, he has some of the largest crusades next to Reinhardt Bonnke, I guess, on the continent over there. Uh, multitudes get saved multitudes get healed he has all kind of i mean lame people get up and walk deaf people uh, their ears are unstopped blind people he has blind eyes open i mean just miracles like you wouldn't believe and uh, literally whole cities come to jesus multitudes of people get saved but when he first got saved when he first got saved he was on the streets of Pakistan, and he, he, was, he was kind of a renegade. And uh, 
and, and a guy began to disciple him. In fact, it's amazing. It's a guy from right here in Augusta that happened to be in Pakistan doing some missionary work. And he, he began to mentor uh, Brother Christopher and, and, and help him along. And Christopher believed the word, took a track. By the way, Christopher's dad was a general in the Pakistani army. So when he gave his life to Jesus, they put out a, a price on his head. They were going to do one of those family killings, you know, because he'd come to Jesus. He had to escape, escape through Switzerland and, and wound up in the United States. And, but, but when he first got saved, when he first got saved, he told that guy, said, give me some of them tracks. Let me start working for Jesus. And he took him a handful of tracks. He was stopping people on the streets of uh, uh, Pakistan. He was saying, said, let, let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, and, and, uh, and maybe every, every once in a while throw in a little cuss word, tell them how, uh, how good the Lord is, you know, trying to explain it with, with some adjectives that, that, that we call. <laughs> he, he was brand new in the Lord. Now, are you saying, preacher, that that's okay? No, what I'm saying is there is a difference in the fruit of righteousness. That's where the where we develop our life. By the way, if you ever identify as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, your life will begin to line up. But that's a process. But the gift of righteousness is a one-time act. And, and here's, here's what I want to tell you. When Christopher Allen was standing on the street corner, just born again a few hours, just a few hours old, puffing a cigarette and handing out a tract, he was just as righteous before God at that moment as he is today in Africa preaching in his crusades. You understand what I'm saying? Because the word righteous here does not mean righteous by, by behavioral activity. It means right standing with God. And the moment you and I were born again, God declared that we were righteous. That's the standing that we have with God. That means that you have just as good a standing with God as anybody else in the whole world. And, and, and here's the thing of this identity again. If the devil can get you to focus on your behavior instead of your position, he will keep you intimidated. Be because Sometimes we just, we just mess up sometimes. I think so. I, I don't know. I'll stop and find out. Is there anybody in here since you got saved? You have never, since you got saved, you have never messed up. You've never made a mistake. You certainly have never committed a sin of any kind. You've never been jealous. You've never told a story. You've never said a harsh word. You've never gotten angry. You've you, you just been perfect since you got saved. Anybody in here? I haven't either. In fact, if sinless perfection is what's required to pastor the church, I'm going to have to resign because I haven't reached that yet. I've still, sometimes I disappoint myself. I get plumb aggravated myself. You, you ever do that? You, you let the devil make you mad over something. You get to thinking about it a little bit later and say, what? No, why did I allow myself to get all bent out of shape about that? And you have to go back and repent and, and kick the devil in the teeth and say, get behind me, Satan, and go from there. But listen, 
our position with our heavenly father is not based on our behavior. It's based on the, the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Praise God. And so you're standing. You, listen, some of you, the devil will try to intimidate you and say, oh, you could ask God for big things if you were as good as Mother Teresa. Well, I want to tell you, probably none of us in here as good as Mother Teresa. I've been to Calcutta, and I, I just don't think I could do what Mother Teresa did. Maybe I could. If God called me to do it, I'm sure he'd give me the grace to do it. But I can tell you this morning, I don't have the grace to do what Mother Teresa did. But listen, folks, God didn't call you to do what Mother Teresa did. He called you to be faithful to what he called you to be. I, I, we, we lost a great hero this week, a hero of the faith, a man that did great things for God by the name of Billy Graham. And I'm thankful that our president's going to allow him to do a, let, let him lie in state in the Capitol and honor him for what he did. But let me tell you something. When we get to heaven, you're not going to give an account for, for being a Billy Graham. In fact, God will reward you just like he does him, does him because God will reward you to, for being faithful to what he called you to be. Amen. And Billy Graham was faithful to what God called Billy Graham to be. And he'll receive a reward of faithfulness for that. But, but you don't have to take a back seat to that. I, I don't claim to be a Billy Graham. Good time of living. No, but God hadn't called me to be a Billy Graham. But I will give an account for what God did call me to. And, and I want to be faithful to what. Listen, if you're taking, if you're taking care of your, your, your parents who are disabled and, and you're doing it as unto the Lord, if that's what God's called you to do, you're going to get a reward for that faithfulness. Glory to God. And it's just as important as anything else you can do. So quit letting the devil intimidate you. Praise God. Say, I'm righteous. I got, his, I got a right standing with God. I've got, a, I've got a right to come before the throne of God just as much as Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, or anybody else that breathes air on planet earth. That's my, I'm, I've got that standing with God. It's right standing with God. Let, let's get this gift of righteousness and the fruit of righteousness. I'll give you some scripture here and we can see it. Because like, like I said a while ago, if we don't get these two straightened out, we're going to get back under works. And that's what the devil wants you to do. Make you think, if you'll work harder, if you'll pray harder, if you'll fast more. I'm not against any of those things. We ought to pray. We ought to fast. But, but that's not what gives us position with God. <laughs> Jesus is who gives us position with God. Glory to God. Somebody give God praise for that. Let, let me read you some scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 to 11. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Woo, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But did you know that you, you, can, you qualify for this? I qualify for this, not because of my works, but because of what Jesus did for me when I was born again. Let, let me read that again. He said, he said that we could have all sufficiency in all things and an abundance for every good work. Who? 
Boy, we've been living way beneath our privilege. Man, get out, get out from under this mentality that we're just barely going to make it into heaven. No, we're not going to just barely make it into heaven. We're going to go rejoicing through the gates of pearl, shouting of victory. Part of the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. There's, there's righteous fruit, fruits of righteousness. While you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Now here he talks about the fruits of righteousness. Now listen, the fruits of righteousness grow in our lives when we're connected to the vine. If you go to John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you're connected to Christ, then there's going to be a, a fruit of righteousness that's going to grow in your life. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, righteousness is going to develop in your life. In other words, Christopher Allen's not going to remain smoking cigarettes and cussing on the streets of Pakistan. He's going to, his life is going to change. Fruit's going to grow. And, and it's just a natural process. When, you, when you're connected to the vine, it, it's just, praise the Lord. Paul said, there, there's been a change in everything in me. He said, things I used to love, I don't care for anymore. Things I used to not care for, boy, I'm just crazy about now. You're, you're, you're a new person. You're, you're, that, that grows and develops. That's the fruit of righteousness. But when I read to you a while ago from Romans 5, 17, it didn't say the fruit of righteousness. If it, if it had meant the fruit of righteousness, it would have said the fruit of righteousness. He would have said, the, he would have said, for if by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more than who have, you who have received the abundance of grace and the fruit of righteousness will reign in life through Christ. That's not what he said. He said, those of you who have received the gift of righteousness shall reign in life with Jesus Christ. Listen, do you get this? You don't qualify to exercise dominion, kingdom authority by your works. You are qualified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Mm. Uh, let, me, let me give you a couple examples in the, in the Bible that, that help me understand this. You know, the Bible talks about Abraham, and I was talking to you a while ago about the blessings of Abraham. He's talked about how righteous he is all through the Scriptures talk about his his faith what a great man of faith he was and and at the same time when I look at his behavior he didn't always act so righteous I mean I, I, I don't know about you but I, I just don't think it was too righteous when he was over in the tent with Sarah's handmaiden producing another child I don't, I don't, I just don't think it was very righteous when he was down there with the Amalekites and he told him his wife was his sister, tried to justify it later saying, well, she is my half sister. That's where we get the, the idea that, that these little half lies are okay. No, they're not. 
the king of <laughs> the Amalekites almost came under the judgment of God because of a lie that Abraham told. And God had to straighten that thing out in a hurry. Jerk a knot in Abraham. And he did it twice. Didn't just do it once. Did it twice. Did it another time. Went down there and lied about his sister. If you judge him by his actions, you would have a different scenario. But God's not judging him by his actions here. He's judging him by God's declaration. God said because of his faith and because of his desire to please me and want to be my friend, he said, I'm not going to impute. I'm not going to declare over him unrighteousness. I'm going to wipe that out. And I'm going to declare him righteous anyway. Glory. Now, if he can do that for Abraham, he can do that for me. I'm under a better covenant than he was. Um, and, and, and look at Elijah. You know, in the book of James, James chapter 5, the apostle James talks about um, prayer and how to make prayer work. And he said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Righteous man? And guess who he uses to illustrate that? Elijah. Because the next verse he said, Elijah was a man subject like passions. We are. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave forth their rain. Here was a man so powerful, he performed all kind of miracles, locked the heavens for three and a half years, and unlocked them with his prayer and his faith. I was reading about a fellow that, that uh, came to the Lord, and he, he, was, he was sick. In fact, he was an invalid. And he was praying and asking the Lord. He had seen in the Scripture there was healing, and he wasn't brought up in a church where they believed in healing, so he didn't know anything about it until he found it in the Scriptures. And then he, he said, Lord, how can I get my healing? And he, he saw that verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then he, he said to himself, boy, if I could just find me a righteous person, if I could find me a righteous person. He said, wonder what a righteous person looked like. And he read the next verse, Elijah. He used Elijah as an illustration. He said, boy, if I could just find somebody like Elijah. And then he went back in the Old Testament and started reading about Elijah. And he said, wait a minute. Elijah, here's the guy that prayed fire down from heaven with 63 words of prayer and faith on Mount Carmel. And then <laughs> the very next thing, he gets scared of Jezebel and runs from Jezebel and hides from Jezebel because she threatened him and gets in depression and gets down and out and so discourages that, discouraged that he wanted to die. He was contemplating suicide. Now, boy, that's about as low as you can get. That's Elijah. Well, James said he's a man just like we are. He's just like we are. Folks, you, 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 we tend to dehumanize these people. Elijah was a man just like we are. But he prayed earnestly. God accepted his prayer. Why? Because God declared him righteous. And when that guy saw that, he said, praise God. I don't have to send for anybody to pray for me. I pray for myself. I'm as righteous as Elijah was righteous. I'm righteous because God declared me righteous. He prayed for himself and got healed. 
Praise the Lord. You, you, you've got the, it, righteousness here means right standing with God. Folks, we don't realize what authority we have. We don't realize the position that we have. He invites us to come boldly before the throne of grace and make our requests known to him. Why? Because he has declared us righteous. And we can, we can pray and, and seek the Lord and believe God for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your prayer and faith. Mm-mm-mm. Just as good as anybody else. Well, let me give you, <clears throat> let me give you the third point. And I'll close this message. We are redeemed. Say, I'm redeemed. And we're righteous. Say, I'm righteous. Third one, we're royal. Say, I'm royal. I'm royal. Glory to God. Let me give you a scripture for it. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Royal priesthood. That's who we are. Royal priesthood. Holy nation. His own special people. You're special to God. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous lights, who once were not a people. There was a time you weren't part of the family of God, but now you are. Now you're the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Glory to God. We are royal. Royal blood. Listen, when you got saved, something happened. Something happened. And, he, and he, he illustrated here. He said there was a time when you weren't a part of the family of God, but now you are a part of the family of God. In Lexington, Kentucky, um, the pastor that I heard tell this was back good night, back in the early 70s. Uh, and he was on up in years then, so he's been gone to glory for a long time. So this is a very old story, but he had a family in his church. Their last name was Rose and the Church of God in Lexington, Kentucky. Wonderful family of God. And and their their father, who at that time had already gone to be with the Lord, but he was almost legendary for what a great man of God he was. His name was Albert Rose. But this pastor told the story of Albert Rose. He said way back when, when Albert was just a little boy, he was about somewhere around five or six years old his folks left him at a they called them fondling homes in those days there were orphanages they called them fondling homes they dropped him off and took off and left and so the orphanage took him in but they didn't know anything about him they had no history they didn't know anything all they knew was his first name they didn't even know who his they didn't know his last name all they knew was albert and the and they took little Albert in. And back in those days, the way they would adopt children, very different than it is today. Thank the Lord they've improved on things since then. But, but in those days, the way you adopted children, if you wanted to adopt a child, you'd go to one of these fondling homes. And, and they'd, they'd, they'd get all the kids together and line them up for you. And you, you would go pick out a child. And that's the way it, it, it's, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? kind of like going to a kennel to get you a dog. Uh, but that's the way they did kids in those days. And, and little Albert was bigger than the rest of them. He's a little redheaded boy, and he was bigger than the rest of them. So he never got chose. I mean, time after time, parents would come. They'd line the kids up. And, and uh, inevitably, the parents, the, the prospective parents would pick a cute little child. The younger, the better. 
and, and they would adopt that one. And time after time, Albert was rejected. And the more he was rejected, the more his, his countenance fell and the more intimidated he felt and the more rejection pushed him. He'd, he'd get to the back of the line and, and finally he would just kind of hover up against the wall and just hang his head when people would come to look at the kids because nobody ever chose him. Nobody ever said anything good about him. They always talked about how cute this little one was and how pre precious this one was, but nobody ever said anything good about Albert until one day. Brother Rose from the church in Lexington, Kentucky, he and his wife felt like God wanted them to adopt a child. And they went to the fondling home. And they looked over all the kids and they were impressed by this cute one here and this cute one there. But Brother Rose kept looking at Albert. And finally, after a while, he and his wife talked and they decided that they were going to adopt Albert. And Brother Rose went in, got down on his knees in front of little Albert. He said, son, what's your name? And he said, my name's Albert. He said, wow, where'd you get that name? And he said, I don't know for sure. Said they told me that when I was born, my daddy got mad and he kicked his tobacco can across the room and he smoked or he used Prince Albert tobacco and said, oh, I'll just call him Albert. He said, that, that's where I got my name. He said, what's your last name? He said, I don't know. He said, how old are you? He said, I don't know. He said, when's your birthday? He said, I never had a birthday. Brother Rose looked him in the eye and he said, son, let me tell you something. You look to me like you're about eight years old. And I want to tell you that today is your birthday. And we're going to have a party when we get home like you ain't never had. And every year on this date, we're going to celebrate your birthday. And as of today, your name is Albert Rose. And that day, Albert went home with the Rose family. And he became, he grew up to be a mighty man of God. And generations are now following, serving the Lord. There was a day when he was a nobody. There was a day when nobody would claim him. Nobody wanted him. There was a day when he didn't even have a last name. But that day changed when Brother Rose got down on his knees and said, Son, you're mine. Can I tell you this morning? There was a day when I was a lost little boy. The devil, only reason he wanted me was so he could destroy me. But Jesus wrapped his arms around me and said, you're mine. Wrote my name on the Lamb's book of life. And I became a member of the family of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Royal blood flows in my veins this morning. I'm an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. God is my heavenly father, and I'm on my way to heaven. Praise God. And that's what happened to you when you got saved. Somebody give God some praise today. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I want you to stand with me, please, all over the building. I want the prayer team to come quickly. In conclusion, I want to give you three little 
points that I hope you'll remember from this message today. Number one, I want you to know that we are saints, not sinners. There's a song, and I love the melody, and I love the song, except for that line that's theologically incorrect because it doesn't line up with Scripture. And that song is, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Now, that sounds real humble. And we sing that thinking we're humble. We're not humble, we're ignorant. Whoever wrote it and everybody that sings it. I hope you'll never sing it that way again. If you want to change the words, it'll be okay. I was an old sinner. I'm now saved by grace. Folks, you can't be both at the same time. You can't say I am an old sinner and at the same time say I am saved by grace. Those are contradictory terms. So that song is incorrect. I'm not an old sinner. Have you read your Bible lately? Read through the epistles. Paul, the apostle who wrote most of them, he starts off addressing those people as, he calls them saints, to the saints of God at Ephesus. He he refers to them as saints in Corinth. Do you know what they were like in Corinth? The whole reason he wrote those two letters was to correct them. They were so out of line. But he called them saints. Why? Because they got a right standing with God. They needed some behavioral correction. All of us do from time to time. But our standing doesn't change. We're saints. Glory to God. We're saints. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We're saints. Praise God. There's there's St. Reagan right there. There's St. Roger right over here. (laughs) Glory. There's St. Mike over there. St. Steve over here. I I know some of you having trouble with that because we don't use that terminology now. And I I can't help it. I guess it's the mischievous streak. I can never let this pass up without referring to St. Bernard right here. (laughs) But the Bible calls us saints. We're saints, not sinners, saints. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a saint, not a sinner. Praise God. We're saints. We're the saints of God. We need to act like it. Quit letting the devil intimidate you. Quit pulling your head down and say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You know, I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm going to be able to shuffle my way on in one of these days. No, sirree. We're saints of God. We're saints of God. We're king's kids. There is second thing I want you to know is that our DNA now is royalty. It, it's when when you, you got more than a transfusion, the Bible said you were regenerated when you were born again. That means in your spirit, which is the real you anyway, you got regened. Amen. You don't have the genes of a sinner in you. You have the genes of a saint in you. <laughs> Blood of Jesus is more powerful than your sin. Blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything in this world. 
And the last thing I want you to get from this is our rights correspond to the rights of our elder brother. Jesus said, the works that I do now, you shall do. And even greater works than these because I go to my Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, bow your head with me for just a moment. Is there anybody in here this morning you say, Preacher, I, I'm just not sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Remember me when you pray. Would you just slip your hand up and slip it back down again? All right, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody? Yes, several. Okay. How many of you standing here this morning say, Preacher, there was a time when I had a much better relationship with the Lord than I have today. I, I'm not as on fire for God as I used to be. Remember me when you pray. Would you just slip your hand up back down? Yes, all right, several of you. How many of you are standing here this morning? You say, Preacher, I, I have a physical need. I really need a healing touch in my body today. Would you just slip your hand up and back down again? Okay, God bless you. How many of you have a financial need? You just raise your hand and say, Pray for me. All right, God bless you. And you have, have relational needs. You say, Preacher, we, there's some restoration needed in my family. There's... There's some reconciliation needed. There's some things that are out of whack in my family. Remember us when you pray. Just raise your hand back down again. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Many of you raised your hands this morning. I want to tell you, I, I, don't want you, I don't want you to come down to the altar with your head all bent over and said, oh, please, God, help me with this. I want you to come to the altar this morning with your shoulders lifted high and with your head back. And I want you to come down and I want you to say, because of the blood of Jesus, I come this morning before the throne of God with boldness and I make this petition known to God. If you're unsaved this morning, come down here and just confess him as Lord of your life and ask him to forgive you of your sins and know that he will. He said, he that comes to me, I'll in no wise cast out. If you're not where you ought to be with God, come down here this morning and say, Lord, I want a refreshing. I want a renewal. I want another touch. I want, a, I, want a, I want a revival in my heart this morning. And I'm believing you to, to do that for me. If you've got a financial need or a physical need or relational need or any kind of need, some need that's beyond anything that I mentioned, I, I want you to just come down and believe God. We've got people here that will pray with you and for you. They'll take your hand and join your faith with their faith and believe God to do what you need. Or you may want to just find a place alone right here where you can just talk to God right out of your heart. Just feel free to do so. The altar's open. Brother Steve's going to lead us in a song. Sing with him if you will. Those of you who want to pray, the altar's open. Come on, I encourage you this morning to come. Believe God. And take dominion over those things. If you've, if you've had some old habit nagging at you or you've had some old sickness trying to hang on, come down here this morning. Take authority over it. Exercise your dominion. Say, praise God, by stripes I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm victorious in Jesus. Glory to God. Amen.